Hey guys, today I sit down with Matt and we cover part two of the franchisee journey, which is basically from the time you buy till a couple of years after you're open. What's going to happen during that time? Check it out. Welcome to the Alloy Personal Training Business Podcast, where we'll share our insights on how to make more money, how to help more people, and how to be a better leader for your business and your community. We've been in this game since 1992, and we'll share our successes and failures along the way. I hope you enjoy and subscribe. Hello, Matt. What's up, Frank? <laughs> uh, we were just talking off air about Matt's lack of uh, internet knowledge on memes and whatnot, but that's okay. That means he's being productive. He doesn't have time for that. He's got three I mean, little you, kids. You literally just told me about a story that happened about a kid seven years ago. I know. Why do you even remember that? I don't know. That's, that's, pro- that's a great question because it's probably squeezing something really important out to make room for that ridiculous story. Right? <laughs> what goes on in that head up there? You don't want to know. <laughs> a Lots of weird things rattling around. Hey, man, today, uh, part two yeah. of the franchisee journey. And, you know, I think last time we left off, if you guys remember, we left off at purchasing, you know, when you actually pull the trigger and you, you know, you are awarded a franchise, right? Mm-hmm. Lay your money down, deal's done, countersigned, congratulations, the emails come pouring in, high fives all around, and you are super stoked. So we're going to talk about because we went like, hey, I'm interested, all the way through to signing, yep. what that process looks like, and then now we're going to say, okay, after you sign, what does it look like after you get open, and then maybe even a few years down the road. Okay, let's do it, man. Okay, so right after you purchase, it's a. And we talk about the the entire process, just like a lot of things in life, is peaks and valleys. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, certainly at signing, it's a peak. You're super excited. You've made the commitment. You've done your due diligence. You're very excited. You align culturally. All those things are in place. Bam, you're very excited. So the next thing we do is an intro call, and it's just sort of to. It's done uh, right now by Jared Breen, our head, you know, business franchise business coach. And just gets you on the phone and basically lays out a timeline and, and a sequence for, you know, how everything's going to happen, who's going to do what, right? Um, also, you're going to start getting emails like to sign up for, you know, different things with vendors. We're going to get you a, an Alloy personal training email account. And, you know, it just starts the trickle of information. And all of this is, is easy at first, right? So you right. get your alignment, your expectations are aligned. So you know what to expect the whole journey. So we lay that all out for you? Yep. From now until you open your doors, it's, it's laid out, like how it's going to work and who the players are and who you're going to be introduced to next and what their role is and what they're going to be doing. So right. we lay all that out for Literally you. tells you when to contact them and like when, that, when the next step to do. Like Yep, 100%. Sweet. And, you know, you've now have access to the full platform, which has all the information. So we find a lot of franchisees just fully dive in, mm-hmm. start digging into the, everything from the workouts to the sales systems to the software. I mean, everything that you need. Right. So the next step after Jared um, or someone on our team was right now, Jared does the introductory call. We do an intro to the Repum team. And really, it's the build side of Repum. And that's our construction management team. Yep. So you're going to get on the phone with Ashley right now is the, is the contact at rep them and build them. And she's going to walk you through like what the construction process is going to look like. And then she's going to do an intro to our real estate partner, which is, you know, the, the Windsor group, yep. which Dan is a you know great, great buddy of mine. He's here in Atlanta. Good dude. You're going to get introduced to that person. So this is all fun and, you know, this is good. This is like a, a high for you because you're starting yeah, to exciting, see right? like, wow, like these guys are organized. They have all these assets in place. You know, like I signed the agreement. I'm getting a, a congratulations. I'm getting an email day two. It's like, man, this, this thing is going well, right? 
Um, you get introduced to the building team. They're very impressive. They're very organized. They lay out the same kind of trajectory, how this whole thing's going to go down. Um, introduced to Dan, and then, then the whole process starts. So it starts with our real estate team, uh, you know, the Windsor Group, going into your territory mm-hmm. um, that we've already looked at you know, during the earlier parts of the sales process, and they're going to identify some properties that work for you. And they're taking into account the rent factor, the, the threshold, um, the build-out expense, like if there has to be demolition or not. All those things have to be factored in because we want to try to keep you in the scope of, of a healthy business model as well, right? Um, but also, you know, on the flip side, like, is it the shopping center nice enough? Does it have the right co-tenants, ingress, right. egress, all that? All those, it's like seven-layer archetype, all built out, bam. It's got to so, be, like, really exciting. I mean, I think that, I mean, most yeah. people are already coming in, like, no, probably five places they want to build, probably, right? Well, some do. Some are like, <laughs> I got this great place. I want to look at this place, that place. And what you have to keep in mind is, while that's great, if if the places that you've chosen align with our process, great. But sometimes, you know, you know, you think about somebody who's like, oh, this will be cool. And it's like, I found this cheap spot and it's a behind the shopping center or it's in this industrial area. It's mm-hmm. like, we're not going to put an alloy there because we know from our million years in the industry and our experience that if you do that, you're not going to get eyeballs on it. And that's going to be more marketing money. And it's just not, it's not, doesn't represent the brand as a premium brand. So mm-hmm. we're going to go in a nice shopping center with good visibility, with great co-tenants, right? And that's going to be more expensive per square foot than an industrial type of space. But sure. at the same time, um, that's okay because again, thankfully our business model allows us to go into a premium spot. It's only 1500 feet, mm-hmm. right? So we can take a pretty high rent threshold, um, you know, in the performa, and we are looking at that as we're finding these spots. So just keep in mind, this is an exciting time because it's great to have somebody come back to you and say, I found four spots in your area. Yeah. Let's get in the car, you know, and they're going to connect you to someone local and let's go look at them. Yeah. And you get awesome. to pick one, right? Yeah. And they're very experienced and they, they know exactly what to look for, which is, you know, load off your back right well, you think think about that <laughs> as, a, as location, an owner location, like, location. well yeah it's like we talk about probably the two biggest predictors of success are where you put it and who's running it mm-hmm. right I and mean, that's it really in a nutshell at a high level so where you put it, it's kind of important and we've got a great play for that so so far we've been we've been just super happy with the way that that's gone um, other people have as well but let's talk about the next step so once we find the space you know we run at the rent threshold and everything and build them is involved in this process as well then our team is going to do the heavy lifting for you to execute the letter of intent, right? Mm -hmm. So you're going to make an offer on the space. You're going to talk to the the agent back and forth, and then an LOI is going to be deployed. And this is where, again, this would be more of a, of a downside because depending on the landlord and their, you know, mode of operation, all those things, this can get really tedious. So an example would be you could execute an LOI which seems very simple. You're just asking for rent abatement or more TI or whatever that is, right? Landlord contribution. And you pass it back to the landlord and it takes them two and a half weeks to even answer it. (laughs) And that stuff happens, right? So the process gets slowed down. So I would say you're peaking at the time that you buy, you start to see all the assets that are in place that, that builds even more confidence, right? You meet the real estate team, they find viable spaces now you're getting down to the nuts and bolts, the hard work, right? And as you're executing these LOIs, um, you know, again, a lot of it depends on the landlord. We've had it go as quick as two weeks. We've had it take months just based on, you know, what's going on in that mm-hmm. community and where, what area they're in. And, and you just don't know. It could also sure. be like during COVID, people were shorthanded. So like they're only, 
you know, only in the office one day a week and they're not even checking emails on the off day. So it, things just right. got kind of weird. So that's, this is probably where, again, it's like, okay, now some work comes into play. So if you're talking about peaks and valleys, this is definitely going to be a valley and you shouldn't expect it to be super yeah. smooth. It's I mean, just not going to happen that way. Could not be smooth. It doesn't have to be, but you know, have right. your expectations in the right spot for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think if you think, okay, listen, this is not going to, this is the, probably the, the least sexy part of it, right? Is lease negotiations and things like that, but they're absolutely necessary and you'd have mm-hmm. to do them anyway. And we're doing most of the heavy lifting, but you just have to prepare yourself. It's like, okay, this is a time when it, it can drag on. It can be difficult. It can be messy, right? And as long as you're prepared for that, by the way, that's the way it goes in every project. What project have you ever done? Let's say you have a higher contractor to do some work at your home, right? They're always a little bit over time budget. Sometimes they're over actual budget. It just never goes like perfectly smooth. And if it does, it's a blessing but rarely does it. Right. Right. So be prepared for that. And so once, um, once the LOI is signed and we're moving towards a lease, then we get the building team comes in and looks at the space, make sure the HVAC is up to speed. And there's nothing that's in the building that could cost the franchisee down the road. So if there is things that need to be addressed, then we address those when the actual lease is signed. So, okay, okay, we're going to sign this lease, but you have to replace as a landlord, you have to replace the HVAC unit because it's on its last leg and it says in the lease and I'm responsible for it. I don't want to get three years in and have to pay 10 grand for a new industrial HVAC unit. So that's part of the negotiation. Again, you can imagine you start that starts going back and forth. Like we'll do that, but we'll only give you $10 in TI. It's like, Oh, wait a minute. Sure. You know, so it's a back and forth, back and forth. So, and and the repum team helps with that, right? uh, Oh yeah. Well during the lease, yeah, the repum team, uh, the build them guys, they go in and make sure that the space is up to snuff and then they report back to Dan, the real estate team and the franchisee and then we decide what needs to go in the lease to make sure we have those things covered that we're protected right so once you start that process you know the loi is one step the construction team in the middle then the actual lease signing and then that can go back and forth as well right mm-hmm. um so sometimes folks you know in, in shopping centers will say well you know we've got another tenant that wants to expand into that space but we're waiting to hear back from them and you know it just takes time but the good news is our real estate team is so good they normally give you a couple of really good viable resources, then you just got to muddle your way through working with landlords. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not easy, but just keep in mind that the real estate team has your best interest in mind and it's going to turn out just fine. Just be patient because it's not always as easy as people think it is. And you should just be prepared for a kind of a back and forth and right. it might take longer than you'd like. Maybe not. So once the lease is signed, then the construction is going to start, right? Now, mind you, when you are starting this process, you need to engage with Buildem, and that is our required vendor for our build out because they've got everything in place. They know when, what you know what materials. They know our vendor. They know when to order things. They know how to install everything. They source all the millwork and save us money on that. So you have to engage. It's a required vendor for us, which you'll want to. <laughs> yeah, believe me, you, I mean, you don't want to run. <laughs> you don't want to hire the general contractors and the subs and do all that. That's a pain in the booty, and they're going to get like competitive bids for you and do all the heavy lifting again on that. So. But keep in mind, there's a fee for that. So not long after you sign, once you engage with the building team, you're going to have to pay a deposit on that, you know, and that could be 10 grand, like just to get started. Right. But well worth it. And then they're going to manage the entire project for Mm -hmm. you and you're going to meet with them once a week. So, okay. So lease is signed. Now you're going to take possession of the space. And now you start into permitting architectural drawings, right? Um, Ordering things like, you know, getting materials in that type of thing. Now, build-out can take anywhere from, you know, two months to four months. And it really just depends on, again, permitting. 
What's interesting is you can be in one county that's in an area, like say that you're we're in Charlotte, right? And there's a county in Charlotte where they only take permitting requests like in one window per month. Mm-hmm. So like if you came in just after their last permitting um, access closed, you'd have to wait three or four weeks before you could even apply for the next permit. So not always the case. Some mm-hmm. people are wide open. But again, it's like, okay, this is one of the lows where you're like, man, you just want it to happen. You just, you're so excited. You just want to get the place open. Right. And the landlord feels like they're dragging their feet and they're kind of slow. It's like, well, that's par for the course. And, you know, you get to build out and it's like, okay, permitting is going to take a while. Right. And then, you know, oh, it turns out there's a, you know, a, a hiccup in this construction and we're going to have to change one or two things about the plan. All part of the process, perfectly yeah. normal, but just prepare yourself for the you know, lease negotiations all the way through to the build out, it's going to be messy. It is. It's not going to be perfect. And you're going to have some lows where you're like, man, this is a (laughs) lot, right? But it's only 1500 square feet. It's it's not a lot compared to others. Mm -hmm. It's still a lot. And I think people should hear what that's going to feel like. You know, it's going to feel like hard work and, you know, bless your heart. That's what you're going to have to do. (laughs) So it takes from the time that permitting and this and all the build out, like from the time you sign to you get open, Six months is a good time frame. Nine mm-hmm. months is realistic. You know, you have until 12 months. You have to open in our development schedule within 12 months. So six to nine months would be a good yeah. plan, you know, for you. It's like, hey, when would I be able to open? Now, some folks try to time that. Like, hey, what's a great time of year to open a fitness business? Maybe the fall when kids are back to school or the new year is always a good time. And that's true. But, you know, we pre-sold Charlotte in the middle of the summer and actually opened in August, right, before kids got back to school and still were at 100, yeah, was great. 100 plus yeah. customers. So we were good to go. Now, leading up to opening, you're going to have training scheduled. Mm-hmm. And so training involves a couple of things. We're going to get you with the individual ven- vendors like our CRM system and our app and all that. And you're going to get specific training for them. And we've got online courses for that. And, you know, we're going to get you all the access that you need so that you've got a lot of the nuts and bolts knocked out that are not that difficult. You just need some training and some videos on that. Um, That's going to happen before you come to live training. Then you come here and you've got six days at corporate. Now, I would say this is probably it's more of a peak, but it's also just a lot, right? Because you're like brand new to the business. Maybe you haven't, you know, you Mm -hmm. don't have any familiarity with the fitness space or whatever. And you're learning everything from the software we're using to our lead management follow up to how to use the app. And then you're also learning like how the workouts work and actually how to deploy the workouts. And you're learning customer service and a day in the life of and where do you turn the lights on? And I mean, basically (laughs) all the ops of the business, right? We didn't focus on light switches, though. Yeah, (laughs) you could probably skip that. I think most people know what those look like, but you never know. (laughs) I'd really question our candidate picking if we can extend your right hand and slightly flip upwards. Yes. Note note the brighter light in this room. That's how that happens. But um, the training itself is, you know, five days here at corporate. And then we've got, again, we've got some homework up to this time. Now, leading up to training, um, you're going to have to hire someone, especially Mm -hmm. if you're a, if you're an absentee owner, um, you're going to need to hire an operator, right? And we've got the the vendor in place for that. And that's a big concern for a lot of people, because I just mentioned one of the two most important things, where you put it and who's running it, right? If you're not going to be planning on running it, which a lot of our franchisees are not, then you're going to need to hire someone to run it. And we've got a good talent acquisition person in the space and we've got the, the, you know, the ad written already, mm-hmm. you know, or the job um, description written already so that when they put this, you know, job availability out there, um, you're going to get some decent candidates yep. typically. And so you're going to get different choices. The vendor's going to, you know, sort of cut through some of the fluff that you're going to get that may be non-qualified 
and put some good candidates in front of you. And we've had people that have already gone through that process and been very successful. Then you're going to need to hire this person, right? And then they're going to need to come to training. You know, even if you don't as the main principal, if you're just like, Hey, I'm sending my operator because I'm, sure. you know, I'm not planning on ever being in the business. It's like, okay. So training, you know, five days. So hiring, and that's, I would say hiring is, it's a stressful time, but it's definitely a peak because you start finding that there are good candidates out mm-hmm. there. You start realizing, because if you don't know the space, like for us, we're like, oh my God, it's a great gig. You know, you can make really good money. There's a lot of people in the fitness industry who have a passion for it, who just don't have a good outlet for that, you know, in a, in a vehicle to make money and make a career out of mm-hmm. it. We're providing that. So I'm really proud of that personally, but if you're coming to the industry new, you don't know that. So all of a sudden realizing that there are people that are available out there that right. really want this job and that are stoked makes you feel good about your investment as well. Sure, yeah. So Just I would say your confidence. For sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Even though it's a, you know, it's a, it's a hard process to choose the right person, you know, that can be stressful. We give you as many tools as we can. And then you, that's the part where you really, this is the entrepreneurial part of, of owning yeah. a franchise, right? It's more in the management and the leadership well, I mean, of people. Any, any business, you got to hire the right people. Right? Well, that's true. <laughs> I've had people say, it seems like it's dependent on the manager. I'm like, is there a business out there? It's not dependent on the person running it. It's like a business with no people. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a business that I don't have to work at all, but there's also no people in it. I'm like, I don't know. Let me know when you find that. Vending one. machines. Yeah. <laughs> Pay phones. Hey. Those are coming back. (laughs) Um, So we get through five days of training and I would say that's, that's probably a, a, you know, a wash between like a peak and a valley because it's a, it's exciting and you you know that we have our ducks in a row and our team does a good job with it. And we have good rapport because we've chosen good candidates. On the other hand, it's drinking from a fire hose. There's a lot to learn and you can't be expected to walk away in five days and have all knowing knowledge. A lot of it's just putting it into play, right? So once that happens, training, you get down the road, maybe a month or so, and then you start your pre-sale. And I would say pre-sale, it's a lot of work, but I would still consider that more of a peak because you're getting then consumers saying yes to the concept that you've purchased. Yeah. You know, yeah. and you're now using the sales scripts and the terminology and the, and the collateral, the materials and the digital materials and all the things that we've used. And when you see people responding well to that and saying yes, it just gives you confidence. Remember our healthy model for us is 130 people. So when you're signing up, you know, 50, 60 people in a month, you're just like, wow, this is awesome. You know, I'm going to open this thing, making money. That that's, that's a good thing. So I would say pre-sale, it's a lot of work, but I would say that's a huge up because you're just getting this feedback from the ultimate, you know, boss that we all have, which is the customer. And they're saying you're excited. And then you see people excited about what you're, you're offering and telling them, I mean, that's only got, (laughs) got to make it a great experience. Right. Yeah. Yeah. hundred (laughs) percent. So it's, it's a lot of work, but it's, it's good work and you're excited and you're, you've never been more juiced about your business than right now. And when people start reflecting that back to you, it's pretty special. Then you have your grand opening. So we're typically doing some kind of an event, a party. You know, mm-hmm. you, you should have established by now some local businesses in your market that you can ha- invite out to be vendors there and they can invite their customer base and you make a party out of it, right? Um, come out, you know, do ribbon cutting. I mean, do the whole deal, right? So grand opening, I would say, is a huge peak because you feel really good. You've got your members there. They're super excited to get started. Bam, off and running. So grand opening party and then, you know, maybe the next week you open. And you're, and you're off and running, you're taking sessions, right? Mm-hmm. Now you start to actually service, you know, these folks, so you're up and running. And I would say that's also a peak because what happens is you don't really know like, okay, a day in the life of, we practice it, you do it, but like it's your business, you've invested in it, you've hired a team, you know, and now that team is now servicing people 
And when you see it happening and you've got full sessions and you get really good feedback on the workouts and people start reaching their fitness goals, like, you know, in a short period of time, four to six weeks, that's reaffirming, right? And so it just doubles down on your conviction, your staff's conviction, and we're in a good time. We're still working hard because there's a lot of little things to handle in the first few months of a business, but we're getting this awesome feedback, right? Mm -hmm. And we're just knocking these things down. So we're at a peak. Now, I think the... I think we'll go a step further. So let's say what happens after the dust settles, like you're a franchisee. So what would happen, you know, later on in the franchise? Well, you know, I shared a podcast with you guys from a guy named Cameron Harold, mm-hmm. right? And he, he was the guy, I think his, he's got a pretty good pedigree, but it, really what he hangs his hat on is he's the guy that, that really built 1-800-GOT-JUNK. And when he got there, I think they had like a few franchisees and 14 employees. And when he left, they had like, 500 employees and insane yeah just crazy and and he was really the instrumental guy in building that and in this podcast he described the journey of a franchisee and he paralleled it with like the the relationship between a child and a parent and i thought it was pretty insightful now obviously he's you know they've opened they had what 900 franchisees or something Mm -hmm. by the time they were he was done there um but he talked about sort of that 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 fun friction between franchise and franchisee. So let's say that we've gotten through all the stages we've talked about today, peaks, valleys, peaks, valleys, right? And then you're open, you're excited. And now begins like what you and I refer to from the book, good to great, which is the 20 mile March or Mm -hmm. great by choice. Sorry. And so now you got to go to work every day and do this. And so this is how Cameron describes the, the franchise journey through the lens of child parents. So he's like, when you're (laughs) one years old, your parents are the coolest people ever, right? Like they give you food, they give mm-hmm. you comfort, can't survive without them. This is amazing. So that would be early, early stages mm-hmm. of franchise, franchisee. Now, when that child is three years old, they feel a little different about their parents, right? They want to do shit on their own. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's like they, they're, you know, they might throw a fit every now and then. They want this, they want that. And he paralleled that same thing with franchise to franchisee because, you know, you're plugging away your 20-mile march. You are, you know to, you know, maybe a year in or maybe six months in. And and again, this is a a natural journey for every franchisee, franchisor. And the window of time certainly isn't as long as as growing up, but it could happen in a year, could happen in six months, right? But the next stage would be like, okay, you're fighting back a little bit. It's like, why can't I do this? You know, why can't I sell these other supplements or why can't I? And there's always reasons why, Mm -hmm. right? It's kind of like you don't want a three-year-old eat something disgusting or play in the street. It's like, why not? I want to play in the street. And that's how they act, right? We've all had kids. And it's like, well, because it's not good for you. And that's kind of our role, but that's not a popular choice always, right? right, right. Telling your kids, no, 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 uh, we're doing it this way. This mm-hmm. is the way to do it. And they're, Wah, you know. So that would be the next stage. Then they become teenagers, right? And when you're teenagers, like your parents are complete idiots. And this is the stage where a franchise is maybe two or three years in, and they're like, listen, I'm doing all the work. Why am I even paying these guys this royalty, right? <laughs> and I mean, it's it's fair to paint this picture, and I'm not trying to paint this in a negative light, but I think if it's all Pollyanna and everything's perfect all the time, that's not the way it is right. with any franchise, right? Mm-hmm. So it's best to set the expectations up front. Like, we're going to have some things. I'm going to try to keep the guardrails on you, and you're not going to want to have those, and you're going to feel like you're doing all the work. And, you know, and that's sort of, especially in that sort of teenage phase, if you will, it's like you're rebelling, right? You want to do all right. these things, like your parents are the dumbest people you've ever met. They don't understand me. I'm doing all this work, right? <laughs> Very similar, again, according to Cameron, in the franchise structure. Then eventually, you get a little older, you get into your 20s. I think Mark Twain said that somewhere between 18 and 22, my dad got a lot smarter. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, you start to be like, okay, you know, all right, I get it. Like, I, I took your advice. I didn't run out and play in the street. And that turns out to be a good decision. So <laughs> fine, right. you were right. 
And then you get a little older and maybe you have your own kids and then you get perspective and you're like, Oh, that's why my parents were doing all this. And now you're 35 and you're like, you got kids and you're like, I get it. And the way he describes this is funny. He's like, you still don't want to hang out with them all the time, but you can appreciate what they've done for you. Right. (laughs) And now you get them and they get you and you're moving right along. And that, that same process happens in franchising, Mm -hmm. right? Super exciting. They need you for everything. You're the greatest thing ever. Wait a minute. I'm the one doing all this work. I want to try this. I want to do this. I want to try doing, you know, yoga in here. I want to do these things. It's like, nope, nope, nope. And here's wine. It's like, well, damn it. You know, next stage, I'm doing all the work. Why am I even paying you? This is crazy. You know, and then the next stage is like, all right, all right, I get it. Like, I'm glad you didn't let me run play in the street. You seem a little smarter than I thought you were. And then finally, it's like, you know what? Again, I don't want to hang out with you all day, every day, but thanks for what you've given me. And now I get it. And now I'm really appreciative of the tools and the resources. So just expect as a new franchisee to have similar emotions at times. Right. Sure. And don't be surprised by that to think it's all going to be, you know, roses and, and uh, fun and games the whole time would be crazy, but that's any relationship. And if you understand that going in, then you understand when these things come up and when you ask to paint your place pink and, you know, put unicorns on the walls and whatnot. And we say, no, you know, there's a reason why. So I understand that you're going to get butt hurt. And as I always say, I don't mind if you ask, I won't get mad if you ask, as long as you don't get mad if I say no. (laughs) And that's sort of the nature of the relationship. So anyway, I hope that gives people an idea. That's literally, Hey, I'm interested episode one to buying. And then today buying all the way through to maybe two or three years in and kind of, and kind of where you're at mentally. But does that make sense, Matt? Are you it's great stuff? Any questions at all? No, pretty, you pretty got it. I, I feel mean, good. You, you didn't. You didn't participate a whole lot. I thought you might want to have. Some I questions thought I did or... great. <laughs> I don't know. Did I not do good? Well, you did good. You're a good listener. I, you know, I, you know your role. All right. Well, listen. Uh, next time, I'll I'll let you speak a little bit more, and I, I promise you, the goal before the end of this year, you guys is to have Matt do one podcast where he speaks all the time, and I just ask the questions. Maybe we'll do that next. We'll see. <laughs> Until then, you guys have a good one. See you. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, check us out at alloyfranchise.com for more information on the alloy systems. Also, leave us a five-star review so we can spread the good word and help more people.